0: Welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show, created and hosted by Scott Knudsen, to explore the crossroads of horses and the business world. On today's show, Scott visits with professional trick rider and actress, Kansas Carradine. Now here's your host, Scott Knudsen.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I'm your host, Scott Knudsen. Thank you so much for joining us today. Whether you're listening to us on KCAA, the NBC affiliate in California, or watching our podcast on one of our many platforms, we really appreciate you. Today we have a very special guest, Kansas Carradine. Kansas is from Hollywood acting legendary family, but horses really defined her performance career. As a member of the Riatta Ranch Cowboy Girls, she traveled across the United States and abroad trick riding and trick roping. She was also a member of the very famed and and incredible Kavaya, over a thousand performances, 12 countries, five continents. And she began training her own horses. And she was also a stunt performer in film, commercial, and TV. So Kansas, thank you so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this uh, for quite a while.
1: Oh, me too. We're going to have a great time. So Let's start with the beginning. What started the passion with horses? What got you going?
2: Well, you know, for a lot of people who get into horses, you can't think of anything, that, a, bit, a time being without horses. And I was the same way. So I don't really ever remember not riding. Um, when I was born, so my dad is David Carradine and uh, he loved playing cowboys. And he did a film called The Long Riders and uh, had a horse in that. And he worked on another film that he fell in love with his stunt horse and he brought him home. So by the time that I was born, um, my dad had a couple horses in the backyard and I grew up with those horses all the time. And before I think I could even walk, I was, you know, popped up on him and ponied around. And then um, we lived actually in uh, North Malibu when you could ride uh, on the Los Angeles beaches. And I would be just grew up riding on trails and on the beaches. And I got into jim canna as the years went on and i had a a cousin who was four years older than me and i just wanted to do everything that she did and so she went into more of like the english hunter jumper and i followed suit and um you know i've always done dabbled in little things like dance or gymnastics but horses were the only things that i was completely passionate about and i'd do anything to just keep up my riding lessons and yeah like like any horse crazy girl that was that was me
1: Oh, that's so much fun. And what a blessing to get to grow up in that environment with the horses and and, uh, riding on the beach. I It was beautiful and so much fun.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, horses truly were um, a blessing in many, many ways. They were really my my safety, my sanity, my security. And um, I mean, as time evolved, it really ended up being the most consistent thing throughout my life. Um, I actually ended up you know, going away to summer camp and never came home. There was a lot of things in my, in my youth that were quite difficult. And the horses actually were the one things that I would say, you know, just kept me really solid, kept me really grounded. And I always say like, that's like, it was just a blessing from God to pluck me and put me in at Riata Ranch. And I grew up there in a really wholesome, traditional Western values lifestyle.
1: Wow. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So let's talk about Riata Ranch. Um, it's a, it's a very, very cool ranch. There's so many things to do and learn, but, and they're in California, correct?
2: Yeah, that's correct. Um, I, so the Central Valley of California, I grew up in uh, Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I actually wanted to go again, following my cousin, I wanted to go into more of a hunter jumper and a venting background. I definitely had, a, I guess, a gutsy um, attitude with horses. So yeah. I really wanted to go more into cross country and do do those kind of adventurous things. Nice. And that summer of sixth grade, I really wanted to go to a a writing school called Foxfield. And I was really mad that I was being sent to, I thought I was going to prison to this ranch, you know, south of Fresno, California, you know, and they were going to do wear cowboy hats. And I showed up with my britches and my helmet and I just was all English. And the first thing that we did there, I showed up around lunchtime. And everybody was wearing tennis shoes and jeans and t shirts and just very relaxed and cowboy hats. And the first thing that we did was um, take the horses with just some nylon bridles and go swim our horses in the river. And I was sold. (laughs) And then that evening, we, you know, we trick rode uh, as the sun went down and it got a little bit cooler in the, you know, the Central Valley is very, very hot summers um, here in uh, in Exeter. And so in the evenings, we really put the trick riding saddles on and we rode until about nine o'clock. And, you know, as an 11-year-old girl, being able to stand up on horses and see all these other girls who were doing these really um, athletic maneuvers, I was just, you know, sold on the first day.
1: (laughs) That was the adrenaline (laughs) right there.
2: That's it. And I ended up asking, you know, permission to stay two weeks longer. And so that, you know, first two weeks turned into a month. Then I went home and I actually asked permission to move in with the founders, Tom and Vicki Meyer. Wow. And um, I was supposed to just stay for one semester of school. And I ended up staying for seven years until I graduated. Just college. moved I, in. <laughs> I did. I moved in. And I like that's it. That's the best decision I've ever made. Yeah. yeah. I really, you know, God just put me in the right place. And it ended up um, bringing all these puzzle pieces together that unfolded, you know, my life's journey. So, and it's wow. all because of the horse.
1: Yes, a- absolutely. I owe so much to the horse as well. But, and, and Riatta Ranch, so what was your first um, maneuver or, or trick or, or unique ride?
2: Yeah, I mean, I really uh, spent a lot of time working on the, I guess, the uh, top strap tricks. So I did the mm-hmm. hippodrome, the one leg stand, and one that I was quite uh, known for, I guess, was the back bend. So it's a full bridge. Um, and it took me a while to, to master that, but it ended up becoming, you know, kind of my signature trick, my favorite. There's no question. Like it just felt I I never was um, uncomfortable in it uh, because it's, you know, uh, you have to be pretty flexible. Yes, you do. (laughs) But once I got it, I just I just love that trick. I do it on any horse anywhere. I mean, we went to Mexico one time and we're doing these Mexican chariottas and we were on a horse that I'd only ridden for maybe like five days and I could do it down there. We did it in Australia and trained a horse in a short period of time, did it there. I can't do it anymore, unfortunately. I'm not quite as flexible as when I was much younger, but that was definitely you know a signature trick. And then the other thing I would say that was unique about Riata is we all learned um to vault. So we all learned ground tricks. A lot of times, uh you know, girls tend to moving away from a lot of the, the ground tricks because they were they were just classified as guys tricks it's quite different now but you know Mm -hmm. i started in 1989 and that was unique that we were all taught to vault and so we all did a lot of vaulting um you know spin horn vaults uh and things like that yeah that
1: is awesome can you describe what a vault is maybe someone hadn't seen that
2: yeah absolutely so a vault is actually where you know of course will be uh going at a canter or at a gallop and you bring your leg with trick riding, we always pass our legs over the front. So over the top of the horn and over the neck of the horse, you have both hands securely on the horn, hopefully. And then you touch the ground really at the the, the same time as the horse striking, you know, uh, if you're cantering the left lead on that left front and that horse's momentum will lift you and you really can glide and get a lot of air time up into the saddle and, uh, and, and right back and you can do it again. And one of the, you know, challenges was to see how many vaults you could put in to a, uh, um, a given uh area right so how many can you s- sneak in in the arena how many can you do one time around in the round pen that was kind it's of it's really
1: beautiful it's dangerous but it's really beautiful to watch and
2: oh it's it's such a dance you know and yeah. not to segue too much but fast forward when i did end up with Cavalia, um we had a whole uh, classical vaulting act that was a little bit more of a a melange or a mix with traditional bareback riding um, mm-hmm. or what you'd see kind of in classical academic vaulting. And the vaulting was so beautiful. We had some men um, and girls, but mostly the guys were the ones who were actually doing that, that segment. And they really took it to a different level of artistry. It was just, uh, you know, we've always tried to um, uh, calibrate the form and perfect the lines to be really like ballet. Right. A lot of times you see trick riders and it's very, you know, hard and fast. They get to the trick done but the style is more loose right. and obviously you know my time in in the Cavalier Circus we really had a more um a high value placed on that precision and that artistry so yeah, yeah. It, is it's, so gorgeous.
1: It <laughs> is, it's gorgeous I think on your website circuscowgirl.com there yeah. there's a picture of you backbending on a horse
2: yeah and
1: yeah it yeah do what
2: no, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, and it, it's just so incredible to watch, and 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 for somebody starting out, how would somebody start out? I mean, you know, Riata Ranch is definitely a place to learn some of this stuff. But
2: oh gosh, well, these days I think um, you know learning trick riding has definitely taken its 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 own life because there's yeah. so many forums and people really kind of collaborate and get together. You know, back in the '80s, or you know, even yeah. take it back into the '60s and '70s um you really had to work with a master and know mm-hmm. um uh, and get the that mentorship and i still would recommend that but at the same time these days there's so many resources obviously from learning through youtube and things like that people get exposed to a little bit more so the idea of what is possible um it becomes a little bit more easy to grasp because we see it visually so many times right. you know you, you were talking about a picture of me doing a backbend and i was like it's a rare picture because. To be honest, I I I I don't know. Came of age or grew up and did a lot of my performing and performances in an era where we didn't have all this YouTube. You know, there might be some VHS t- t- tapes somewhere in dusty cupboards or storage, but I really don't have you know that much documentation of a lot of mm-hmm. the stuff that I did, pictures or videos. And um, so I think it's 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 an amazing era now that has just catapulted the talent because everybody's able to really research themselves to film each other um and you know take that to the next level and and that's with all horsemanship you know whether you're you're analyzing your own whatever reigning patterns or you're really looking to watch it and play back on video is super super helpful um there's a few schools around obviously of trick riding but it's it's a very niche sport you know you don't you're not going to find it on every corner or in every state even i would say there's a few little schools and again it's something that really has to be handed down you know with apprenticeship i i really believe that for safety number one absolutely Absolutely. yeah
1: yeah absolutely and you're right you know with 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 the learning on youtube and the different classes and you can watch it it really helps so much it also makes it more perfected and as the horses get better it's important that the riders do And, and, and I do agree with the YouTube and such. I I have everybody that, you know, I think it's so important once you see it and visualize it, like you say, it's really an advantage.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think obviously people are able to take it to that different level because we have more technology. I mean, people are using technology in so many different ways, not just for video feedback. Um, you know, but there's sensors that they hook up to horses and there's sensors that they hook up to people to see how much weight you have in your stirrups. And it's just amazing. I have no doubt that, you know, people are going to be, um, kind of blowing off the top of what we used to do 20 years ago. Scott will
0: be right back with more from Kansas Cary.
1: Hi, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. Heard on KCAA Fridays, 3 p.m. Pacific. I'd like to talk to you about something I'm very passionate about. Those that know me know I love my coffee. In the morning, afternoon, and even late in the evening, I enjoy a good cup of coffee almost any time of the day. Now, my team at the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show has been working for several months on creating and introducing our own brand of coffee. We wanted to make sure that we got it just right. We don't want to put our name on anything unless we're 100% certain that it's the best product available, and we've finally done it. We have created a wonderful line of coffees, 13 fantastic flavors offered in whole bean, ground, and K-cups, any way you like to brew your coffee. Now each of our coffees carries our brand, the very same brand that we put on our horses, our trailers, and our chaps. So you know that this is a quality product, and we only use 100% Arabica beans, the very best beans available. Just listen to some of these wonderful blends and flavors. Jamaican Me Crazy, Honduran San Marcos, Chocolate Cherry Amaretto, Breakfast Blend, and my very favorite, Haley's Blend. A coffee so good, we named it after my daughter. You can order these coffees today by going online to javacowboy.com. That's javacowboy.com. And if you order today, you can get an extra 10% off your final purchase just by entering the promo code COWBOY on checkout. Remember that's promo code Cowboy for an extra ten percent off. Just go to javacowboy.com to order your coffee today. So you also trade pro too, correct?
2: <laughs> I I do I am a trick roper yeah. I, I yeah. say I'm gonna just scoot over here because I see the sun is moving yes yeah absolutely <laughs> um, I, I didn't learn how to do like a musical instrument or anything but I do know how to trick rope and it takes just about as many thousands of hours
1: oh my um,
2: and I have so much respect for the for the charros uh, because they are really just um, incredible masters so I do the American style trick roping which was typically done um, with a cotton rope You know, it's what was popularized by Will Rogers, of course, and there's still a few places where you can get these ropes. They're kind of hard to come by, but um, Western Stage Props is one, and then King Ropes out of Sheridan, Wyoming is another one. And, um, you know, those ropes are pretty lifeless until you give the proper flick of a wrist, and then um, you really get to make those beautiful florio de reata is the name of the, the Mexican style of roping, and it's making flowers with the rope.
1: Very cool. It is another art form for sure. So, So when you were riding with your friend and she was riding English and then you go into the trick ride and then the trick roping, that's a full learning experience. They're both different, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm grateful that I had, I guess you could call it a classic, you know, English foundation, just because Uh every discipline has um, things that that are useful.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And the versatility that we all develop as horsemen really comes from, I think, cross training. So if you take a reiner and put them in a dressage class for a couple weeks or a couple months, I think everybody will come out of there with some good things to say. And vice versa, if you take a you know, a show jumper and put them in um, you know, some some riding classes or on a cutting horse. There's there's different things that we we learn and take around. So um there's never been a, a discipline that I, I can say I've tried and I didn't like, kind of like right. Rogers you said, he never met a man he didn't like. <laughs> and um, you know, I, I was just very grateful to have that, I guess, you know, like pony club background, but then be able to um to really immerse myself in, I mean, here it's really the California cow Cal horse culture. Um, even though we weren't actively, you know, doing working cow horses, that was the the that was the real fundamentals of what Riatta Ranch was right. built on. Um, and so that, you know, building a cowhorse ma- mindset was what Tom um, Tom Meyer really prided himself on. So horsemanship was first and foremost. You know, the trick riding was there. We didn't trick ride every day. We rode and perfected, you know, our horsemanship, and we rode those horses in snaffle bits, and you know, it was different than 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 just going and making sure that we get to do our tricks, you know? Yeah.
1: Well, being there seven years, uh, there's just so much you could learn there. What was maybe one of your favorite stories being at Riata Ranch?
2: Oh gosh, there's so many. Um, you know, one of the toughest things that I did, and it really built a lot of my character, I would say, um, when I was, I guess I was about 15, I'd already done a little bit of Roman riding, or, or a fair bit. Like we had a team um, of Appaloosas that I Roman rode on. But Tom decided that he wanted to have like a real act. And he acquired, um, I believe through Cotton Roster and Flying New Rodeo Company, another team of Roman horses, it was a pair of paints. And the, there's a very classic Roman riding act that you'll see in every rodeo arena and in a lot of the shows in America. And it's always that Roman team, they do a couple of maneuvers and then they jump through a hoop of fire. Um, uh, that it's just very classic. So we had this classic act and I was chosen to be the, the executor of said act. Awesome. <laughs> and these horses were um, beyond my comfort zone at that time. Like it was really a, tr- a, a test to get them just over this jump. And one of them would really, you know, accelerate. The other one would kind of hesitate for it. You know, they never jump together. I have pictures being in a rodeo arena you know, literally upside down during the splits in the air between these two horses. <laughs> oh sometimes, my. sometimes we fly over. And I just was like having such a, a block in it as a horseman to really get the grit to show up every day and just fall off because you don't, I, technically we don't do that in, as trick riders. Yes. Whereas, you know, if you show up as a, as a say a rough stock rider and you rodeo, you know, you mm-hmm. can end up in the dirt. Yep. But as a trick rider, you're supposed to stay on and do your show and perform it Clearly. So I was having trouble, you know, just mentally getting over the difficulty of, you know, getting these horses. And I did one show in, um, I want to say it was in San Diego. It's a show Dio. uh, Where they had a lot of contract acts together. It was a big indoor arena and there was, you know, it was full. And I went and approached those horses, you know, and you come at it at a run to put them over that fire jump and fell off one time. And then we got back on. Okay, we're going to do it again. I fell off a second time. And man, the third time I look at Jennifer Welch, who is my coach at the time, she hands me the team because we have to collect these two horses and they're not tied together. Because um, I don't I don't believe in tying horses together. They just break equipment. And so we pop them together and I just looked with this look of anger and frustration. And, and she's like, okay, you're just going to school them good. And I stood up one more time. I said, no, I am putting them over. I'm going to do this. And obviously that time, that I put them over, stayed on, everything was good. Boy, did the crowd go <laughs> by. And it was, it was, you know, obviously a crowning moment. It was really, really fun, but it was just the the um, the epitome of, you know, really having that determination, really trusting in yourself. It wasn't a mental thing that I could say I executed a certain amount of adjustments. This was mm-hmm. not intellectual. And I think with horses, a lot of it just comes from your your body, your practice, if you practice things, right. you know, correctly. And then really we can all say from the grace of God,
1: Absolutely. because
2: um, it was just, Oh, I thought I was doing it right. Every, those first two times that I fell off, I'll just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but the third time everything worked out well. And, you know, when, when all the horses come together, because you've got three minds that you have to unify with and, and that's the, the sign of a, a, of a completion and a job well done.
1: Such a strong story. And and, and that's, a, that's a deal for anyone watching or listening. Is just to get back on and keep trying. But once it comes together, it's nothing more special.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah so and the horses so, are always the greatest, greatest teachers in that, I would just add. Like absolutely. those horses weren't easy. And that was the thing that, you know, to be able to stick with it when, you don't have all the answers and it's not just like an easy match and to really kind of keep showing up, you know, right. there's so much um, character building in that, in that exercise for life.
1: A- absolutely. A hundred percent. You got to keep showing up. And the horses, you know, they've always taught me so much more than I've ever taught them, you know, and, and that's the fun part. But when you have that fun ride, it's, it's nothing better. Yeah. yeah. Well, and
2: I say more and more like, and the more I learn, the less I know, I know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely.
2: I don't know anything <laughs> letting them teach me and trying to keep open and listen.
1: Yes, absolutely. So do you change your act uh, depending on where you're going, whether it's an indoor or an outdoor?
2: Oh, I have over the years. But you know, the interesting thing is my life has really um, adjusted a lot with my family life. So mm-hmm. I am, uh, I don't have like my own solo act. I make it up if I get hired to do something like that. But a lot of times I've been working behind the scenes. So for example, with the company Cavalia, I did a lot of like scouting and buying and training the horses. So less glamorous, you know, I didn't have a show schedule for for some years. I I joke that I took extended maternity leaves. You know, my girls are 12 and 15 now. um, And uh, I oftentimes would transition from, you know doing those seven to 10 shows a week to having more of a stable environment and um, staying at home and training horses. So, wow. um, But to answer your question, yes, I've done a lot of adaptations depending on if I'm just flying somewhere and just doing a roping gig, or if I'm actually, you know, performing in front of, say, uh, a Quebec Western Festival yeah. and doing a um, a Western act for that, or if I'm, you know, part of a group and doing a, an ensemble event. I mean, the last time that I did. Uh, the Cavalier show was actually in China, and we had a six-month run there on mainland China.
1: Good. Okay, so we got. Let's talk about that a little bit. So, when somebody, when you go to China, how do you take your horses over there, and how does somebody go in advance and kind of scout the area? <laughs>
2: Um, well, so I'm going to rewind a little bit because in terms of like the way the Cavalier show works, uh-huh. um, you know, it's its own um, uh, barn, it's its own entity. And so that whole stable, like all of our stalls, all of our, you know, our big top and all of our horses, all of our equipment. Yes, they all ship together. And typically, you know, when we were on tour, we stay in each city about uh, two months. Um, And then the setup and tear down, depending on if we were changing countries or if we're just driving in the U.S., but it's going to be about, you know, 17 days um, and sometimes longer. You know, for example, when we went from California to Australia, there's a very long quarantine. And so then it was a five week um, uh, break. And then I want to say it took us maybe two weeks to put the show back together, maybe three, something like that um and basically you know all the stalls are set up there so the barn looks the same in every city we have we bring our own um the 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 footprint looks a little bit different in terms like you know the kitchen tent might be in a different place the stalls but basically you know the big top the arena is in the same place the entrance um into the big top where it links with the warm-up tent and to the stables tent that's all in the same place this configuration is the same um, but it's an incredible infrastructure, and when we go into China, you know, the show was touring around China, so everything got shipped there. And then, um, uh, you know, there's there's a there's a production company that we partnered with, and it would stay in on mainland China. But the other countries, you know, we went uh, all over North America. Then from uh, California, we went to Australia and did five cities in Australia. Wow. From Australia to Abu Dhabi then um, Abu Dhabi to Dubai, Dubai to Belgium, Brussels, Belgium, from Belgium to um, Singapore. And then in Singapore, I took a mommy break and uh, went back to California and was training horses and buying horses uh, to ship to China and helping in that regard. Because I have my my daughter, I think, was four and seven or eight at the time. And so I just took a, a break from tour, but the tour continued and went from Singapore to Hong Kong, to you know, Taiwan, um, Seoul, uh, and then mainland China. And my husband is involved in it, so he was staying on tour, and then I was back at a home ranch in California where I would, you know, scout, buy, and train horses, and then get them ready for for transport, and then also, you know, receive incredible. horses. Yeah.
1: Incredible, incredible. So, so what was the experience like when you were in the different countries? Did they know Cavalia? Did they understand the trick riding part of the the balancing and the dance and the beauty? Did they?
2: Well, I mean, trick riding is just one little part of that whole mm-hmm. show. So yeah, of the show is really about, um, you know, projecting the the relationship between horses and humans over time. Right, right. And I think that, uh, you know, as we went around the world, certain places have a very established horse culture. You know, in Australia, right. they have an established horse culture, mm-hmm. with a lot of horse showing, so They appreciated it. Um, and it's different than when you take it to a place like China where it's a very new horse culture. And so they're quite um, easily uh, surprised with, wow, look at this relationship that horses and humans have together. And it's so playful and you know, horses are kind of like a dog. And it was, it was very, uh, my husband, cause he's the artistic director. So he would sit in the public a lot. And he said, you could always tell the interesting moments cause all the phones would come up and everybody would be filming. Not, not no applause but everybody filming um and then the moments where you know there was a lot of affection between the horses and riders that was really profound because it was just showing kind of you know that deep relationship it's all about the connection with the horse at the end of the day and that's something that more than a trick more than a beautiful you know piaf or lay down or rear or trick trick riding was this relationship and that i would say was the kind of lasting impression that was incredible um, another you know uh, I, I Singapore loved the show Singapore was a really good popular. Europe loves the show you know it was it was great um in so many different ways in so many different places oh man I'm just, okay uh, I'm gonna
1: ask you a hard question so okay. so, I'm
2: so rotate again here yeah
1: let's keep going dancing around that sun so yeah. what is your what was it like maybe the most rewarding was it being on stage with the horse or was it training your horse and putting the horse out there with someone else and taking that, that, um, it go.
2: Yeah, that's a hard question. Um, because I think they can both be fulfilling in different ways. Mm -hmm. One of them is really an attitude of service. And I, I think that that's really, you know, to be a servant, to help others. My goal with the horses was really to give them the best start, Because if people liked their horse, then that horse was obviously gonna have a better life than if he was, you know, needing a lot of corrections or if he was just, you know, somebody like not not comfortable to ride. That's another thing, too. Like, you want a horse that actually has a really good carriage because, like, oh man, I have to ride that horse again. you know I wanted to sure. give i wanted to source out horses that would be happy in their job, source out horses that would their riders would be proud to to be um paired up with wow. um, and so those that worked out obviously yeah there's a lot of you know um pride and gratitude in that, and at the same time, you know I'd have to say one of the highlights of my performance career was when I was in Montreal and performing in the show. Um, And this is like 2005, so it's pretty early on. And those who've seen the original Cavalier show, it was a very girl power show. It had a lot of, you know, positive female energy, um, being able to do incredible things. And so you had uh, the girls doing, you know, the Roman riding and then eventually taking a four up. And so I got to play that character, you know, and it's just a great written part. Um, And one day, you know, uh, I actually rode with my... I was, I was pregnant with my, my girls and kept trick riding um, until I was about three months, both pregnancies. And so this time, you know, it was just a hard day. It was really hot in Montreal. And I just thought, oh man, I just had to gather everything I could to get out there again. And I went and, you know, doing 10 shows a week. It's a, it's, it's a lot. Sure. And to kind of hold, it's different than just kind of performing your horse, but you really are expressive. You know, you're turning it on for the public, as you know, you know, even doing a show here.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but anyway, long story short, I did that act. And at the end of it, you know, there's this, this moment of triumph where the, you know, the girl Roman Rider uh, uh, calls out, you know, this kind of victory call at the end of it, after doing, you know, the, the four up and, and jumping horses. And there was this huge thunderous applause and boy, that whole, you know, 2000 foot, 2000 seat theater, you know, stood up on their feet and gave an ovation for that one moment. And um, yeah, you have a lot of of pride and joy. And that's a fun thing. It's very satisfying, you know, as far as a a job well done. So they're really two different things. Like one obviously is is serving my own passion and joy. And like, I would say the culmination of all those years since I was 11 years old, you know, training to be um, a performer in the Western arts. um but the other piece is really just you know being a servant and trying to do the best to really help others and help the horses so i can't really pit one against the other you know they're They're both both special very special yeah Yeah.
1: that's so cool
2: thank you for listening to the cowboy entrepreneur
0: show scott will be right back with kansas Herodine. for more information on scott kanunson the cowboy entrepreneur Visit us online at CowboyEntrepreneur.com.
1: Hello, I'm Scott Knutson, host of the Cowboy Entrepreneur Show. I want to tell you about a product I've tried and I love and I feel the Cowboy Entrepreneur audience will as well. It's Rebellious Infusions. Rebellious Infusions. There are little packets of flavor. And you know, it gets hot in South Texas, over 100 degrees every day. And I like my water, but it's water. So I use these infusions, put them in my water. It makes it cold. It's great flavor. Zero sugar, zero calories. It's pure energy infusions, rebellious infusions. Go to drinkrebellious.com or on all social media platforms. Drink Rebellious. So, so when you were pitt- selecting horses, what, what did you look at a specific breed or temperament? or color? Or how did you go about that?
2: Um, so with trick riding horses and in shows and performance horses in general, a lot of people like to have color. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if we can find the, the buckskins, you know, the Appaloosas, the paints, I t- I leaned toward the quarter horse types. Cause that's what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Cavalia is quite a blend with the European um, influence as well. And so, you know, over time we would, we would open up to other breeds as well. And there were some, you know, European, uh, horses and breeds that came into the show, but I always leaned toward the quarter horses cause that was my favorite. So quarter horses, apple, and paints. Um, and, uh, my, the main thing that I look again, trying to find a horse that will be a, a good match for everybody. Some horses can be a little bit trickier than you say like, Hey, they're a one man horse, or they're just a specific type of, of, um, you know, expert horsemen. And um I would try to find also horses that could be more adaptable to everyone. So in terms of just having that like extrovert personality um that would uh you know be able to take a big a lot of changes and change of change of riders. So basically a horse that has a lot of self confidence. Um and pretty much in the first you know five, 10 minutes you can suss a horse out and be able to see You know if they're able to take new um experiences quickly if they're you know a little bit more reactive how long is it going to take to reduce that kind of reactivity it's not that i want to dull a horse down at all but there's certain um like you want to keep their their whole senses and awareness i don't like to use the word you know desensitizing too much because you really want them to be you know alert and looking out for you i have a whole separate story about that but that they're tolerant, that their temperament will tolerate it. I think that's a, a, an important distinction. Right. Um, it's not that they don't feel it, it's not that they're numb, it's that they're accepting of it. You know, that's a, yeah. that's a different thing. Um, and, you know, uh, just an example. So again, I already spoke about how I trick wrote in the show when I was pregnant and I was doing a, a trick called the Cossack drag, which is where you hang upside down by one foot. Um, and in California, or in California, in Cavalia, the, it's a straight line trick riding so you know both of the horses um horses will come from either side of the stage on that straight line okay and we'll take turns and um it's probably one of the most dangerous things that we do in the show because uh you know those horses are running full speed you can kind of hit that corner a little bit blind um and horses could come out and have a head-on collision it's very very potentially dangerous wow. so i was down in my trick long story short, and somebody um, came out at the wrong time with their horse and was headed straight toward me. And my horse was as straight as an arrow. I actually, you know, I put him in for trick riding. I trained him and he was just very, very, very solid. And we had, you know, total confidence and consistency, I would say. And um, I was in my trick and I was like, gosh, that feels really strange. But, you know, he went off the line and I kind of got after him a little bit. Like, "What, what, what was going on with that? Well, little did i know that this other horse had come to pass right on the side of where i was it would have been a big wreck and my horse saw that other horse coming and got out of the way and came back into his mind and so he knew and so that's that horse taking care of you that's not a horse who's being dull and desensitized he had all of his senses and he's alert and he's able to think and so you know it, it just takes time to be able to understand you know, um, a, a horse that's, that's highly aware and sensitive and can partner because ultimately, you know, trick riding is at liberty. You're right. not holding the horse. There's, you're, you, you can stop and start all you want. But ultimately, when you're in your trick, you're not holding on to anything. You're not controlling the horse. And so there's ultimate trust there. Right. And a horse that you really want to surrender your life to and trust in that way has to be, you know, has to have a, a lot of truth and confidence and have that heart of gold and then on on a little like technical side obviously you want them to be 100% sound you want them to be you know have a, a smooth comfortable gait and and again i lean toward like the quarter horse types because they'll come off that straight that line real quick and then at the same time they'll relax and like those ranch ranch minded horses mm-hmm. um, will just let you practice all of your your um yeah you know yoga moves that are in <laughs> your acrobatics over and over again stand still and wait for you
1: that's so awesome. And I love how they protect and and, and they just had that keen sense to keep you out of trouble. That's a great story. And now I love what you just said, surrender your life, because really, that's what you're doing. It's complete trust. Yeah, complete trust. So when you train a horse and, and you turn the horse over to somebody that's maybe riding in Kavaya and you're not going to do anymore, how do you get that horse to trust somebody else?
2: um you know i think that that's something when i'm looking in the beginning like a temperament mm-hmm. um to be able to have that flexibility you know there's certain horses that you say "Oh, okay and i've had them before you know there's a couple of horses that i got that i said this is not a horse who's going to be able to change riders a lot you know they might not work in the short or a horse that you know okay they're going to work well for me you have to if you know as you're going through the process that you have to be like hold them with kick gloves that's right. kind of like a warning sign that, you know, what they're probably going to be a little bit too, say, emotionally, you know, dependent or emotionally sensitive, mm-hmm. um, that they won't be able to have that resilience of being flexible and, you know, and changing riders. Um, and the other thing that really helps is obviously we communicate a lot, you know, between um, between people and people who want to know people, you know, good riders are obviously going to want to know as much as they can and understand and really get that backstory. Um, but you know, dealing with professionals, they can usually kind of come on, we say and make the blend. Um, the other thing that I find that's useful is if you are somebody who's, you know, been in the show, been in that environment, you know, what you have to prepare them for, you know, how they're going to be ridden. For example, you know, we're not allowed to use, you know, spurs and, um, so they have to have a certain sensitivity. They're going to be able to do, they're going to be asked to do a lot of dressage, you know, not our, all our trick-orning horses are just going to be you're not allowed to use anything other than a snaffle bit, you know, so all of these preps, if I was to send a horse in there, you know, they're going to have a whole rude awakening if they go straight from say, being in, you know, a shank bit and then, okay, no, you're only in a snaffle now and you're going to have to do a lot of dressage and sorry, but we're not going to use any spur. (laughs) So all of these things that you kind of like layer in and prepare, you know, knowing what they're going to go into. And then, you know, the last layer and piece is a lot about, you know, the environment and just exposing them to as many things as possible um, yeah. because they're going to have to get the lights and the music and the water and, you know, the costumes and the sound of the roaring public and, you know, whatever it is, bungees flying from from the sky. The fire, yeah. I rope, yeah, fire, yeah. yeah. I rope a lot, you know, on the horses because that's such a good experience. And then again, I think life just introduces you Teaching moments that help arise organically. And so, as my children grew up, I just put my kids on them a lot. And, um, you know, the kids might not have ever touched the reins when they were little, but I'd have them pack them around and I'd work them, you know, on long reins and things like that. And so, then, you know, this is another way that they're just having a bunch of people crawl all over them and, and you know, right. get used to them that way. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So, what age are you looking for? And, and what's the process? So are you looking for like a three-year-old and it's going to take a year to train before you can get them off? or
2: what's well, the Well, actually, because, actually, because you know, the horses, we don't usually have as much time as right. the investment. Like people would often ask if we have a breeding program and we don't or if we get them, as, you know, like you said, like two or three-year-olds and we don't. So mm-hmm. typically we're looking for a horse that's already finished or, um, you know, between like five and, you know, seven um, is ideal. You can take them all the way up to nine, but it's actually harder to find them at that point, because if they're really good, people don't want to let them go. never one, sure. they're in their prime. Um, but even the horses that were imported, say from Europe, a lot of the horses are, you know, five, six years old and up to like seven or eight. Um, and then we can go ahead and spend time to give them this new vocabulary if they're learning the Roman riding, if they're learning the trick riding. So we spend so much time on these specialties, that the foundational skills will already be there and in place. I see. I that see. makes sense, and then Absolutely. we can refine them, refine them as well. Um, but there's just there you're adding. It's like okay, if we're all going to learn calculus here, everybody better have already done their algebra. You Absolutely.
1: Know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yes. So, yeah.
1: Makes sense. It makes sense. So, were you ever in a performance where maybe the horse went off script? Oh, gosh, Maybe.
2: all the time. Um, yes, yeah. I mean, A lot of great acts have been born out of that, you know, that yeah. things kind of like happen um, that you don't expect. Um, I mean, just kind of watching others, you know, we have a lot of liberty in the show. And um, I mean, I think it, it speaks a lot to the evolution of how we've been able to watch horse shows mm-hmm. instead of having things to be, be so rigid or um, very tightly planned out. But things that happen that you don't expect And then the audience actually laughs like, hey, there's that horse who's not joining up with his team. Or, you know, you have a horse that's laying down, they don't want to get up. And everybody starts laughing about it. And I think everybody's heart really softens. And it actually makes this kind of endearing moment that everybody appreciates, because you're allowing the horse to kind of be themselves in that moment. And, um, you know, again, that started like 20 years ago. And so now I think it's really affected a lot of the the way that we look at horse performance like we allow those little moments because they're actually special yeah. you know my dad as an actor um he would always say that something happens naturally in the life uh, you know on stage or when you're filming or when you're working like take that that makes the moment more real yeah. and so it's the same thing like when you're working with horses and performance if something that happens that's that's um, that's really alive in that moment It brings you to the present it feels more special and I think the audience gets excited about that because they know that they're watching something totally unique and this is why live entertainment you know is so important and so special and horses every night you know will change that up and obviously you know going back to what I did a lot which was the trick riding those kind of things do have to be very calculated in time because there's a danger factor in there so you don't want a horse to, for example, take off before they're meant to and have, you know, uh, an accident. Right. Um, but when you're doing some other things, you know, and obviously in the Liberty, that's where you really see, you know, the appreciation for all of the candid moments. Um, right. And then this really shines and, and it unfolds in a way that every performer loves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so
1: cool to see the personality though, when they, you know, not mess up the whole app, but they just get a little bit off script, like you say, and it's just like, it humanizes, if, if that's such a word for a horse, but the moment.
2: Exactly, yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Well, and I think, it, you know, we're all brought up that, you know, a horse is our partner for work. Um, you know, I oftentimes was taught, you know, horse is not a pet, don't treat him like a pet. Um, but at the same time, he's also not a motorcycle. And so, yeah. you know, we, we've we all evolved, I think, quite a bit to really understand um, that the relationship is so important, and that really having that you know deep connection with them that speaks volumes
1: absolutely, absolutely, so special we,
2: we have some um some guests who have arrived so i don't know what Do other we? you hear, but my my um kids who came in from outside, so I have two girls one's oh. fifteen and one is twelve, and i don't know if you hear here also we have a a dog who's walking around. Just let me know if the- I love
1: it. No, it's great. Okay, but
2: life, speaking of those unscripted moments- <laughs> Yeah, romans, yeah,
1: you just go with it.
2: That's what just happened,
1: yeah. Yeah, is, it's so cool. Yeah, just keep going. So Liberty, we've talked a little bit about Liberty and and uh, do they want to get on?
2: Do you want to say hi? Yeah. So this is my oldest daughter, Phoenix. Hello.
1: Hi, how are you?
2: I'm pretty good,
1: and you? Oh, we're doing well. You having fun on the road?
2: Yeah, awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah it's fun i love the road
2: and then this is my other daughter Margie. hi how are you
1: <laughs> they're I'm beautiful good, you? doing well doing what well. we're talking horses <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs>
2: they probably have a lot to say they've done all kinds of amazing things these last couple of weeks and horses
1: is it so much fun we
2: we're just going to talk about liberty actually you should ask these yes. girls what they, what they think about liberty or what they've seen with liberty in the last yeah week. let's
1: talk liberty what do y'all think
2: we we just came from the international liberty horse association championships in lexington kentucky Very and it's an organization a new new association that started up by dan and elizabeth james in lexington there and, um oh man, I'm so excited. I, I just really think that this new association is going to open up the sport so much more, and that it's really going to bring a whole new generation of, um, of horsemanship and a different style of horsemanship and really take it to the next level and then obviously, there's all these classes for great youth and um, different people coming in. so girls, you want to?
1: Yeah, you want to talk about it? What did y'all like about it?
3: Um, I really, really like the way that it makes the horses feel like they're more free Mm -hmm. and like that they get to be themselves a lot more because when you're doing more riding and you're really asking them to do things, it's a lot more than when you're just doing Liberty and it's kind of fun for them to play. So it's it's a lot of fun like that. And it's also fun for the people because if they don't want to do like more hard things, they can just play with them and do the Liberty. So, yeah that's fun will you tell them some of the things that you got to do this last week like
2: what were you working on
3: well i was working a lot on having a team of conies to do roman riding, but at liberty so we were doing it first with like a halter and just some lead ropes and then um i was having a really hard time i was like no i don't think it's gonna work like maybe i shouldn't just Spent some time on them and then like a couple days later i was with this other friend of mine and um we just like hopped on them without anything so no bridle no saddle and we just like steered them with the whips and i was finding it's really working like they're always together and they're always staying there and then i even got to stand up on them a little bit and do some fun cool yeah
1: um oh my god
3: do i mean me and my sister we both did some stuff with dan's liberty team
1: mm-hmm. so that
3: was really a lot of fun and we had a nice guy named patrick he um helped us with our liberty and we got to use dance horses and that was really really fun and oh, we got to wow. wear bareback and do some liberty like just from a ridden horse and on the ground so that was really fun
1: what a great experience yeah so yeah,
2: Phoenix helped out um, quite a bit too. I got to work with the horses. So Phoenix, what was one of the things that really stood out for you and what did you enjoy? Um, I mean, yeah, it was really amazing
0: working Liberty because I haven't done much Liberty and this was like the first time that I really got to do a lot of Liberty and learn with these amazing horses and of course the amazing trainers. And I just think it's so wonderful how in Liberty, you really see more of that connection because when you're sitting on a horse and you have... Um, a bridle with reins the horse doesn't really have much of a choice but to listen to you because you're just you know you're on top of him Right. and with but with liberty you really see that the connection between the trainer and the horse and how the horse learns to listen to
2: you of its own free will yeah yeah. because it wants to yeah Exactly. Well, and at the same time, you know, you did quite a bit while you were still on top of him yeah. in terms of bridalists. So that's the really exciting thing, too, that awesome. the International Liberty Horse Association has is it encompasses all the list work. Mm-hmm. So there's some great classes. Like, you know, we saw this seven-year-old girl who had a combined class where she came in with this little core horse mare. She did a little liberty on the ground with them, you know, had them go through, you know, change of directions. Then she laid him down. Then she got on and then she did a pattern with her neck rope. You know, the whole is bareback and that's a combined class, you know, you can enter that and, and, you know, youth, senior, you know, pro non pro. And so I just think it's great how this organization has been able to kind of create a framework, a structure, so people Mm -hmm. have goals to work for work toward, because Phoenix, you were doing some other stuff that was um, mounted,
0: right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have, you're on top of one horse, and then you have two other horses that you're guiding with your a whip that's like an extension of your arm and yeah but from another horse so we had like three so you're sitting on
2: one and then you have two going around you it's really amazing very
1: fun very fun
2: yeah so the the liberty from a ridden horse was a really great opportunity Mm -hmm. and both uh elizabeth and dan james were just so kind they have a beautiful facility out there in um lexington kentucky and then Bodie mentioned Patrick. Patrick Sullivan is another one of um, Dan's students. I could say one of his uh, longtime students. So he actually just completed an incredible ride coming all the way from California to Lexington, Kentucky bareback and bridleless. Well, oh actually sometimes he did put a saddle on. He found it was better for his horse's back, but basically at Liberty, you know? Wow. And um, he raised a lot of money for some wonderful, uh, you know, equine charities and uh, nonprofits along the way and just his passion for it is so contagious and uh and same thing you know we were surrounded by all these different breeds all different you know uh, walks of life in terms of riders and it was just kind of like a meeting of this eclectic horsemen and uh, i just can't wait to see where it goes to it's really really fun
1: isn't that exciting about the industry though there's different age groups and different people and new people coming into the to the industry and that's what's so important it's so much fun to see
2: absolutely yeah i have no doubt that the next 25 years are going to be you know revolutionary absolutely
1: i agree <laughs>
2: it takes all of us in the horse world it's beyond like what what she's going to see and like i said the seven-year-old girl who's in there just their idea of what is possible you know, it was amazing. I was actually invited there to help judge the freestyle competition, and some of the acts that I saw, you know, were very professional. And you know, 20 years ago, you wouldn't be able to find that. It was, no. um, you know, and thinking of what we were presenting in the show in Cavalia, there was things in that competition that were really on par, especially what wow. we, you know, at the, at the beginning of Cavalia. So I, I think they're all very um, uh, interlinked, intertwined. They all have affected each other you know it's all connected and I sure. just feel so blessed to have seen it from so many different angles and to be able to watch a little bit of where it's where it's headed
1: it's so cool it's a generational deal too and, and you get to be a part of you know giving it to your daughters and me with my daughter to give it to them and then they get to carry it on
2: yeah but what does your daughter do in terms of all of her writing disciplines and
1: oh my fashion? goodness she loves writing she loves writing western but her favorite thing now is imprinting folds. When we have babies, she, I mean, the first day she's got them laying on the ground and she's laying with them, and and now they're like in your pocket. It, it's so much fun, and and uh, but when she was a little baby, you know, we'd put her, you know, with the horses, and they just have a way. They would just calm them down, and she just grew. Wow. Yeah. wow, I'd love yeah. to
2: meet her someday. I'm yeah, sure.
1: I wish someday. she was here for sure, for sure. So, so what is, what's next for y'all uh, as far as being on the road? Is it another Liberty competition or event or a judge? Well,
2: I definitely feel like I'm inspired enough just to help, you know, that association start to um, become more uh, prevalent out here in the West. There wasn't as much of a representation. And I think that there's, it's wide open, you know, there's so many great um, horse people out here who are already doing this, say Liberty bridalist, that kind of work. And um, just don't, perhaps know about it so right. Absolutely. Um, that's one of the things that i'm definitely passionate about and at the same time you know i still you know perform and um there's a circus that will be picking up um uh this o- over the holidays that i'll be doing kind of in partnership with Riatta Ranch and so phoenix will get a chance to go ahead and do some performances with that we'll be doing a little bit of trick riding, riding and roping phoenix is also a, um, a circus artist too so
1: are you really so what do you uh, do, do?
0: um I do all sorts of stuff I mean I really like doing aerial so basically everything that's in the air like the silk uh the hoop I do a lot of hoop and um I definitely like acrobatics and then trick riding with the horses so yeah
2: Mm -hmm. yeah both my girls have learned to rope and and trick ride and I think it's just natural that you know we pass it on there's so many great families who that's part of you know the circus obviously is it's 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 very common and you can hear the life of a family behind us it's very common that everybody you know passes down and shares that that whole tradition so i have no doubt that um you know phoenix will kind of take it all to the next level and she's able to integrate things you know her father was an acrobat um a very high level acrobat for a long time and so she does things that I will never try to do. <laughs> um, but in her mind, she can, she can perceive stuff that would just be, you know, out of my um, my imagination. And for her, that's totally normal.
1: <laughs> but isn't that fun to see, you know, when your kids are just can do more passing, you know, not passing the torch, but they're just exceeding it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Absolutely. In ways, again, that were. Yeah totally mind-blowing and that I would never ever expect you know and they love horses Bodie too you know she has her own passion like she loves working with the ponies she loves working at Liberty she's always loved to try and be you know as bareback and bridalist as possible that's always been her thing Phoenix has always been um, really interested in learning all the details of like the trip riding and being very um, uh, specific and, and perfecting that she's already done you know uh, several shows and things like that with the roping and we've we've been able to do quite a bit of shows out in Quebec and we were talking a little bit before the recording began about how unique the Quebec Western culture is and I feel so uh blessed again to have had a glimpse of it firsthand it's very very specific special unique cultural um, cultural experience, and they have they, you know their own rodeos and their own you know western festivals, and they just love it and so you bring a, there's no there's hardly any trick riders or ropers out there, so we come there and they just go nuts for oh, it because, you know it's for us it's just normal that's what we grew up with, um, but there it's just like there's such an extra level of of um, awe splendor, respect you know for anything that is western culture it's really fun oh i
1: bet it's fun to see their faces you know when they come out and they see the real deal with y'all i bet they just light up
2: yeah yeah it's pretty fun there's no question about it i mean my dad he would say that um you know the westerns is america's shakespeare
1: yes yes yeah. I, I, it, it, it is i grew up on them i still watch them all the time i love westerns and you're right you're right um so I know you do a lot with nonprofits, or you all do a lot with nonprofits, and and I was reading a little bit about that. So um, I know that's a passion. So when nonprofits, do you have any advice for a nonprofit trying to start out or stay relevant?
2: that 's a really good question. I mean, I think right now it 's very exciting because um, it 's becoming more common now that uh, people you know say twenty years ago you talk about horse therapy and people say, "What do you mean and now we con- we have so much evidence we have so much documentation Imagine. of how effective you know equine guided education can be for you know um, veterans, for people with PTSD, for those you know trauma and abuse survivors um and really for people like me who just needed to have a consistent healthy um lifestyle that the horses can do that even without making it a therapy session you know just being around the horses right. like the, what do they say the best thing for the inside of a man is the outside of a horse Absolutely. um and i'm a firm believer in that and there's so many nonprofits that you know see the value of adding that to their you know their treatment programs you know for um uh getting relief from substance abuse and things like this. And also for mentorship and, and youth um, to be able to find uh, confidence and stability in their life, you know, it, it, adopting equestrian programs in that is just really, really been um, very effective. And so I think now with all of the research that has been done, I, I imagine for um, nonprofits to be able to use that as supportive. And also now that we have all of this Liberty work, Um, that is becoming more popular and that's becoming, um, I I guess, more attainable. Um, This is a great way that horses who've been through um that that are kind of on the rescue track or maybe even they're kind of geriatric and it's just they're not sound enough to ride anymore it's a great way for them to still have a job and to have meaningful work and or maybe it's the the horse handler whose back is sore and they can't ride anymore now we have something else that i think nonprofits are really going to be using a lot um both with the liberty and obviously with the um you know, assisted riding. Um, I worked a lot with a company or an organization called uh, Equine Guided Education uh, with a gal named Ariana Strozzi. And she's really one of my greatest teachers. Um, you know, when I had Phoenix, it's, it's interesting that she's right here, I kind of did my own um, discovery of redefining horsemanship and my relationship with horses, because it always been um, kind of uh, uh, work. It had always been associated with work. And so after having Phoenix, I just thought, you know, there's something so much more here to my relationship. I know that horses have healed me in a certain way. I want to discover more about that. And so I went to go study with my friend Ariana. And, um, you know, she would do a lot of women's retreats and uh, not just women, but it, it ended up being a lot of times it was ladies around. Um, and it evolved also to a lot of veterans coming back and really with non-ridden work work that was just all you know on the ground just being with the horses I have seen incredible transformations take place I've seen people really go through um deep cathartic experiences and that personal development that comes from just really being around um these incredible creatures that somehow you know they bring us into presence